Oh man, oh my goodness. I can't believe we're finally here. I can't believe it's finally published. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't say finally because it all happened so fast. Oh wow, but um, anyway, so thank you all for being here tonight. I'm so excited that I get to kick this off and to share with you some of the truths that have just transformed my life um, literally from the inside out. And um, is it okay if we just take a minute and, and pray? Father, I thank you that you never stop rescuing us. That your word is always timely and in season. And I thank you that you have a word here for everyone this evening. For those who are here in Tulsa, those who are joining online, you have a word that's going to set their heart free. And we just declare that with boldness this evening. We thank you that we have the victory, that we operate from a platform of victory because that is what you gave us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I heard about this preacher who um, fell in the ocean and the problem was he couldn't swim. And he was out there for a while and this captain came by and yelled and said, Hey, sir, do you need any help? And the preacher said, no, God will save me. And he was out there for a little bit longer. And the next thing you know, another boat comes by. And this time it was a fisherman. And he says, hey, do you need any help? And the preacher says, no, very calmly, God will save me. Well, then what do you know? Time goes on and the guy finally drowns. And then he goes to heaven. And he walks up to God and he's like, I know you saw me. Why didn't you save me? And God was like, I sent you two boats. <laughs> How many of you know God is so faithful? And he knows everything that we need before we ever even ask. Sometimes, though, if you're like me, you don't always see the rescue boat when it's coming. When it comes along, but he never stops sending his rescue boats to save us. He never gives up on us. No matter how many times I would refuse and even say no, that I didn't even want to dare to even have any hope, he'd say, that's okay. I'm going to present a rescue for you again tomorrow or the next minute or the next moment. He never stops. You know, dealing with the struggle of weight loss, I remember was so overwhelming at times and exhausting yes. and it just wore me out and I think it's like that with everything that we deal with whether your struggle is weight on your body or if it's the weight of constantly being in fear or if it's the weight of anxiety or depression or loneliness or feeling overwhelmed all the time like you can't make a decision like you don't know which way to turn it can wear you out and it can be so exhausting that you don't even feel like you have the energy just to even hope. And hope seems to be a disappointing fantasy. And for me, that meant retreating back into my shell and not even venturing out because I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take the pain of disappointment any longer. But God is so good. 
He is so good. He knows what we need. He knows the word. He knows what word to send into what order that we can receive it. And then it rescues us. Amen. Amen. And I'm here to tell you that getting to a healthy weight and maintaining it is not a disappointing fantasy. I am proof of that. So what does it mean? I mean, we've been walking around showing these books off. We've been putting videos out on Facebook and on YouTube and saying, let Jesus love the weight off of you. And that's elicited some very different responses, hasn't it, Connie? (laughs) Some people are like, hey, I've never heard that before. And some people are like, yeah, right, whatever. (laughs) But I'll just say this. I'll start off by saying what this book is not. It's not 12 steps to weight loss. It's not a diet program. It was never meant to be that. But I would say, I would call it a one step, a one step to empowerment and healing. Because there's only one step, and that step is Jesus. Amen. Let Jesus, let Jesus. I want to talk about what it meant for me to let Jesus work in my life. Let Jesus what? Let him love the weight off of you. Let him influence you and inspire you to take that chance one more time. To believe once again that anything is possible. Let Jesus influence your heart to believe in the goodness of God. God is good and he's love and he's hope. Let Jesus love you into your identity of his dearly beloved child that he would do anything for, that he did everything for. He did everything for you. Mm. Let Jesus. Will you let him? Will you let him convince your heart? Because that's what it meant to me, to let him love the weight off of me. It was convincing me that I had a father, that I had a good father. And it was my good father's will that I would be in health. Will you let him convince you that you have a father? That he's that good for you and toward you? I want to challenge you to believe that tonight. And let the Holy Spirit influence your heart. You see, I believe that this rescue boat came to me in the words that Connie Witter delivered a couple, almost a couple of years ago now, I guess. Let Jesus love the weight off of you. That rescue boat was meant for me. And I think it's meant for some of you tonight. So how do you let Jesus love the weight off of you? Well, I'm going to share a little bit about my experience. We're going to go through week one in our book tonight, which is days one, two, and three. The first day is let Jesus love the weight off of you. And to me, that's all about believing, like I said. Rescue and freedom are not a disappointing fantasy. And day two, coming to the throne of grace, is about receiving help when we need it. And day three is not my willpower, but it's his real power that's at work in us. So let's start with our first verse, Romans 5, 2 and 5 in the Passion, and it reads... 
what incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading over our hearts through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. You see, it's our good Father's will for all his children to live strong and healthy lives. This is his glory for us all. His glory, his view, his opinion, his judgment. It's his will for you to be strong and healthy. That's his view, his opinion, his judgment. To let Jesus means that we start to believe the truth. Believing that we do have a heavenly father. And that he is good. And it is his good will that we are healthy. And at a healthy weight. Why am I talking about God being good? Because that is the foundation. If we don't get that, if we can't understand that, then nothing else is going to work for us. Because it's all based on his good. Goodness started in the garden. Goodness started in the garden when he created everything before he created man. He put everything together so that we could enter into rest with him and be in relationship with him. And it didn't stop there. When he created us, he called us good. That's who we are. He looked at Adam and he said, you're good. Even when Adam and Eve slipped and fell into sin, He didn't give up on them. He didn't walk out on them. When they chose not to believe the word over them that they were just like God, he came to see them. He wanted to stay in fellowship with them. He wanted to continue to provide for them because he's good. And Moses, when Moses was talking to God in the tent of meeting, he says, show me your glory. What was he asking? Show me your glory, God. Show me your view, your opinion, your judgment. What is it? And God said, I'll show you my good, my view, my opinion, my judgment. It's my goodness. And if you read in Young's literal translation, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, it says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before your face. Because he didn't want Moses to miss it. He said, that is my view, my opinion, and my judgment. My glory is my goodness toward you. And Jesus, when he came to the earth, he says, you want to know good? Do you want to know what good is? You're talking about God because he is only good. And Jesus was the exact representation of our father on this earth. And all he did was go around healing people and delivering them and rescuing them over and over again. Never once did he give anybody a disease. So if we look at Jesus, it's easy to say it is his will that we live in health, a strong and healthy life. We need to believe that. We need to believe that God is good so that we can believe we are good because we are of him. John, 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children. You are of God. We can believe we are who he says we are because we are of him and he is good toward us. Therefore, I can declare 
It is my Father's will that I live a strong and healthy life. Amen. I can declare that because I know my Father is good. And I know Jesus is ever convincing my heart of his goodness. I can declare it is my Father's will that I'm living a healthy and strong life. That I'm at a healthy weight. And he says I will, he said he would bless me with long years on this earth. Hallelujah. Can you declare that tonight? Can you say it with me? Because it's, it's your good Father's will too, so let's say it together. I believe. I believe. It is my good Father's will that I live a strong and healthy life. Somebody better say amen. Amen. Because we say amen to all of his promises. Hallelujah. It is true. When you believe that God is good, that he is that good toward you, you can believe that your good father has only good for you. He doesn't want you weighed down with cares, with guilt, with shame, with fear, with addiction, whether it's to food or anything else. He doesn't want you in pain or anxiety or depression. He doesn't want you worried about your future. You see, we're talking about more than just pounds on your body. We're talking about living a full and satisfied and healthy life. Before I let Jesus influence my heart to believe his word about letting him love the weight off of me, I had given up. I had given up on that ever being possible. And it was kind of funny because I'd been coming into my identity in Christ for quite some time and declaring the truth over a lot of different areas in my life, in my finances, in my family, at my work. Oh my goodness, let me tell you, it was a daily declaration at my work sometimes. And I was seeing the results. I was seeing it happen and things taking place. But for whatever reason, until this moment, at this conference, it hadn't occurred to me to declare it overweight in my body. At one point in my life, I'd gotten so tired of dealing with it that I just resigned myself to believe that I was meant to be fat, that it ran in my family. And I began to embrace what my flesh eyes could see, the reality that was out here. And as I began to embrace that identity, it just led me to give up. And more pounds came on. And more pounds came on. And the next thing I know, I got up to 222 pounds. Which, you know, was seemed like an impossible mountain for me. But that rescue boat Jesus sent, let Jesus love the weight off of you that Connie said, became very personal to me. It kept coming back over and over in my mind as the Holy Spirit brought it back to my remembrance. And Jesus was saying, will you let me? Will you let me love the weight off of you? And finally, I just said, Jesus, if I am ever going to lose this weight, you're going to have to love it off of me. And I said it. And I'll be honest, without really even knowing and understanding what it would mean for my life. But it came out of me. 
How many of you know sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us a word to declare and we're not quite sure where it's going to go? But he'll give us a, a word to start us down a path. Maybe it's an unction. Maybe it's a feeling that we can just identify with. But I kept saying that over and over to myself. And it was so funny because sometimes, and oftentimes, I'd be walking through my bathroom and I'd be looking in the mirror and that's when it would come up. Jesus, if I'm ever going to lose this weight, you're going to have to love it off of me. And there was one time I was walking through and I looked in the mirror again and I said those words again. This time it was a little different because what came next was, I'm at a healthy weight. I have a healthy body. I like healthy food. And I actually meant it. I actually kind of wanted to eat healthy food. I didn't want to eat that junk food anymore. And I thought, wow, this is something different that's going on in here. I had the power to make healthy choices. I had the power to change things in my life. Suddenly it became like it was possible. Like there was this hope that just started to spark and started to burn in my heart. And I kept saying it over and over again. I'm at a healthy weight. I have a healthy body. I make healthy choices. I like healthy food. I started eating healthy food. And then I said I have healthy skin. And I have a healthy mind. And I have healthy organs. All of it just kept flowing out of me. Just declaring that truth. And it became bolder and bolder in me. And I finally said that is who I am. And it registered in my heart even before I lost one pound. Jesus began loving the weight of the lies that I had believed my entire adult life. He started loving that off of me first and replacing those lies with truth about who I was because he's good and he sees me good and it is his will. And he says, my view, my opinion, my judgment, Sherry, is that you're healthy and that you have a healthy life and that you're strong. Amen. That's what I want for you. Day one starts with believing. And I want to say to you, If you're not quite there yet, it's okay. Because the Holy Spirit is going to minister to your heart. He's going to send the rescue boat to you that you need. And you know what? You're going to know it. You're going to recognize it. You're going to say, that's for me. Jesus, I'm getting in that boat with you. Let's go. I'm ready. Because that's what happened to me. I don't know how many times a word would come to me before and I wouldn't recognize it. But this time it fell in my heart and I saw it. And how many times have you seen that in other areas of your life? Where you know it. And it happens. See, beginning to believe led led me to declaring the truth. And something happens, I don't know why, but something happens when you start believing and saying that out loud. I would say to myself, Jesus, if, you're, if I'm ever going to lose weight, you're going to have to love it off of me. And I would say I'm healthy, I'm in a healthy way to have a healthy mind, etc. Until one day I changed, all of a sudden I said, I believe you will love the weight off of me. I believe it's happening in my body right now. I believe this is going on right now and this is going to work. It's going to be successful. It's going to happen for me. I believe you will love the weight off of me. 
the moment that I began to speak out what was true about me, that was the moment that things started to change. The desires in me were changing. And they began to burst forth in me. The different things that I wanted to do, the different choices that I wanted to make that didn't seem possible before. I had tried the soup. I had tried the pills. I had tried exercising. <laughs> Hated exercising. I mean, if there was a way for Jesus to come get me out of my body and go, you know, work out my body and bring it back to me, I was all about that. Doesn't work out for me that way. I'm still waiting, though. But these changes in my heart started coming up. And it was joy, just like Romans 5, 2 says. It was joy bursting forth in me. It was joy because I felt that strength and I felt that power and I felt those words coming over me and coursing through my very being. And I began to embrace that identity. And I also began to embrace that I was a success before I even lost one pound. That was the most important thing. Believing what my good father said about me. And the amazing thing is, Romans 5.17 started to come to life for me. Romans 5.17, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign through the one man, Jesus? It began coming to life for me. I began reigning in this area of my life. Suddenly, where I didn't have strength before, I had strength. I was able to do it. I was able to make changes. And I'll just tell you right now, I did. I made changes. I went on a program. And I was able to do it. And this time, I didn't say no. This time, I didn't get angry. Because I'm telling you, when you're dealing with weight, you can have some very emotional responses. And most of mine were kind of anger. Because I'm like, mm. Talk to the end, I'm done. Don't even mention it to me. It became, I'm like, I was really like, mm. Greg would come and talk to me about it. And it was never in a, honey, I think you need to lose some weight kind of fashion. It was a, we should get healthy kind of thing. And I didn't, I don't know if he ever saw through me or not, but I mean, I'd have some kind of emotional anger reaction about that. I'm like, I just don't even want to hear it right now. But this was different. I was experiencing Romans 5.17 and reigning in this area of my life for the first time that I could remember. It was power and it was joy that was bursting forth in me because of what I was experiencing on a daily basis with a revelation of Jesus in my heart. Before I embraced and declared the truth over my area of weight, I, like I said, I tried all kinds of different things. It was all about what I could do from the outside in. It was all about doing things out here. Out come the lists of all the things that, no, you can't do this. You can't have chocolate anymore. You can't eat ice cream anymore. You can't have chips anymore. You got to start going to the gym. You got to do this. You got to do that. It was all about what was going on outside of me. And I, I even tried, I don't know if you guys have this at your work, we have a wellness program at my work, which is really great. Um, and they offered this thing that they called a weight management program where 
you could sign up and, and an actual nurse will call you and talk to you about how, you know, do you have a desire to lose weight? Well, do you want to lose weight in the next month or the next six months? Or this, you know, have you thought about losing weight? Of course, I'm like, yeah, I've thought about losing weight. I always think about losing weight. And I'm reading through this. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I want somebody calling me and talking to me and coaching me? They were going to coach me in how to lose weight and be healthy and make healthy choices. And not only that, was I not going to get a, a phone call? I was also going to get an email. That was going to help me and think about living healthy and what that would mean for me. Well, after about the first phone call, I started recognizing that number coming up on the caller ID. And I was like, um, yeah, no. I'm too busy right now. And boy, they were persistent. She would leave me messages. Oh, call me back when you're ready to talk about weight loss. Okay, maybe, you know, two years from now. <laughs> and the emails would come, and I just labeled them spam so they go in my spam folder. <laughs> I read one or two, but after a while, I, just, I wasn't seeing success, and it just kept feeling like defeat. And, but then I would say, why? Why can't I see something through? I started this. It's for my good. Why can't I see it through? Why don't I have any willpower? Why don't I have any self-control? And more shame and more guilt and more condemnation would come on me because yet I had failed again. Like I said, when I was dealing with my weight and I started coming to Jesus and declaring the truth over myself, there were some things that he started revealing in my heart. And one of those things he revealed to my heart was that it wasn't a self-control issue or a willpower issue. It was a heart issue. There were some deep places in my heart that were wounded that I didn't let anybody in. It was too scary. It was too hurtful. I tried before and it only ended in disaster and pain. Like I said, I had retreated back into my shell. But he, he revealed to my heart that what was at the root of all of those issues was this overwhelming sense of lack that I didn't measure up that I would never measure up that I wasn't enough I wasn't good enough and you could apply that to every area I thought I wasn't good enough at work <laughs> one time when I got a promotion I thought well they only picked me because the other guy didn't want it overwhelming sense of lack and when you're dealing with lack, it just drives you to do crazy things. It drove me to eat, to comfort myself with food. Instead of going to my father, my rescuer, I was putting things in my mouth to take away that sense that at least I could be satisfied for a minute, for a little while. But then as soon as I would get finished eating and sometimes I would play the game of hiding and eating we'll talk about that later but y'all know what I'm talking about you know you go to the store and you grab that candy bar and you eat it real quick before you go home so nobody knows you had it and that would satisfy me for a little bit but 
then more guilt, more shame, more condemnation would come on me. Lack can have power in your life only when you try to look everywhere else but to your good, good father for the solution. The old saying that there's a God-shaped hole in all of us is true. And there's nothing that satisfies you like the Father's love. Because we're all craving that love and acceptance. And we reach out for different things. For some people, it's food. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's approval addiction. It's codependency. And we try to stuff that in that void that we're feeling. And it never satisfies us. But we keep looking and we keep going because we know there is something more to life than what we're dealing with. There's something more than this sense of lack that's in our hearts and, and we become so desperate searching for something to silence that accusing voice in your mind that you're not good enough. Do something about it. And the only thing that works is running to the throne of grace. The only thing that works is taking your heart to the Father. Letting the Holy Spirit convince you and you persuade you of who you are. It's receiving an understanding of your righteousness in Him. That He made you perfect. That He made you whole. There is an inner strength that flows from that understanding of who we are in Christ. From that grace that God gives to us. That makes our hearts complete through Jesus. When we receive God's unconditional grace and acceptance in every area of our life, including our weight, including who we are, our hearts find healing and wholeness. When we allow him to influence us, to grace us, things start to change. Because you see, this time, it's not coming from the outside in. It's not my flesh efforts. It's his work that's on the inside of me, that's springing forth in me. The definition of grace is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. When we allow him to tell us who we are and influence our hearts, it's going to be reflected in your life. It will just come out. Amen. When we believe God is good, we can come boldly to his throne. It's called the throne of grace for a reason. And we can have confidence and we can find help there in our time of need to let him influence us. Hebrews 4.16 says, So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. That's what you're going to find there. You're not going to find a judgmental God, an angry God, a God that said, No, I sent you two boats. You're drowning now. No. You're going to find a God of love who says, I don't care how many times it takes, I'm sending another one and another one. I'll send a whole fleet of ships to rescue you if that's what it takes. The throne of grace where love is to receive mercy's kiss. The help that we need in our weaknesses. You got to get pretty close to get a kiss. And it's safe there. 
as I began to take my heart to the Father and saying, help me believe this, Jesus. If I'm ever going to lose this weight, you're going to have to love it off of me. Tell me who I am. Declare the truth to me. I would go to the throne of grace and I would sit at his feet. And that's when he would tell me, you're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. You're all fair, my love. You're lovable and perfect to me because of my son, Jesus. I see him in your heart. He's living vibrantly through you. I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's receiving that unconditional love and acceptance. The grace that's the divine influence upon the heart. That's when it gets reflected in your life. The Lord brought me to that passage of scripture over and over again, and I finally started looking at it and digesting it, and I found out that the word boldly there, boldly coming before the throne of grace, means with unreserved speech. It meant that I could get real with Jesus. I could tell him what was going on in my heart. I could lay it bare. I could share with him all the times I'd been disappointed, all the times I had been angry, all the times that somebody thought I wasn't good enough. They put me down, that I believed those lies about myself that I believed I would never amount to anything, that I wasn't important, that nobody wanted to listen to me. All the times I was angry with him. I told God how many times I was mad at him and angry at him because I felt like he had left me there on my own to do it by myself. He would just love on me. And he would just kiss me on the cheek and say, my child, I hear you. I love you. You can let it all out. Doesn't change my opinion one bit. My glory is all over you. My view, my opinion, my judgment is that you're beautiful. You're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. I've loved you from the beginning. I love you now. I'll love you tomorrow. I'll love you forever. Amen. How about that? How about that grace influencing your heart? It's safe there. That's all you're ever going to find is his love. That's all he's ever going to give to you is his goodness and his love. That's all he is. When I finally was able to boldly come to the throne of grace and enter in and let him declare the truth over me, I got to the point where I started believing that truth as well. And after I would come time after time and boldly enter in, and it took a few times for me to just blame my heart bare and just let everything out, I found out he got kind of bold with me. (laughs) And he started declaring the truth over me. And you know what? I was ready to hear it. One of those times he said to me, you know what, Sherry? It's not about your willpower. It's about my real power at work in you. 
That's what's going to make the difference in your life. And he led me to Philippians 2.13 in the Amplified. Cannot tell you how many times I went back to the scripture. I still go back to the scripture because I stopped after the first five words, not in your own strength. Uh-huh. And I broke down and I said, thank you, Jesus. It is not in my own strength, but it is God who is all the while at work in me. Hallelujah. It is God that is all the while at work in you. It is not in your own strength. He is all the while effectually at work in you energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. And then he says, Sherry, what's my good pleasure and satisfaction and delight? It's that you believe that you're my child and that I love you. And you believe that you're all fair. I see nothing wrong with you. There's no spot in you. You're perfect. You're holy. You're righteous. That's my will and my my pleasure and my satisfaction and delight. And he creates in us the desire to believe that and to receive it. Hallelujah. He exposed the lies that I was believing about myself. You know, I went back to that thought where I had said, well, I guess I'm just meant to be fat. It runs in my family. And I remember he so sweetly corrected me. He's like, girl, you better check again. Who is your family? Who is your father? Who's your daddy? I think you look just like your daddy. Obesity doesn't run in your family. That's right. Am I fat? Is Jesus fat? Does he struggle with food addiction? Does he struggle with anxiety or fear or depression? Who is your family? Last time I checked, Jesus died and shed his blood for me. And his very DNA runs through my body. I've got a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father. What runs in your family is health and vitality and life and hope and peace and joy. That's what runs in your family because you've got a heavenly father and he's good and he loves you and he provided everything for you. He would do anything for you and he did everything for you. And he will never stop rescuing you. Mm. There is a rest to be found. It's resting in God's power at work in you and knowing that he creates the desire and the ability and even the energy to make good choices, to make healthy choices. He'll create in you the desire to eat healthy things. I had a soda addiction for 10 years. If you saw me, I had a diet soda in my hand. That is no joke. I used to tell the joke when I worked in Arkansas that I would just give me, a, give me one of those IVs and plug it in my arm and put Diet Coke in it. And I just push it around. I mean, it was that, not, it was that bad. I, if I ran out of diet soda at night, I would go out and get some. That's all I drank. Now, I'm not coming against diet soda. I will still have one every now and then. But this thing had a hold on me. Yeah. But the next thing I knew, that thing was gone. Yeah. 
And I wasn't even trying to break a diet soda habit. I was just speaking the truth that my father was telling me when I would run to his throne of grace. He would say, Sherry, you're healthy. You're at a healthy weight. You make healthy choices. You have a healthy body. You have a healthy mind. You have healthy organs. You have healthy eyes. I said, yes, I am. That's who I am in Jesus. The next thing I know, this diet soda habit just falls off. It was kind of weird. I didn't even pray about it. I didn't ask for deliverance. I like diet soda. There is a rest to be found, and it's in his work that he does inside of us. Receiving his identity as his children. You are of God, little children. I am of God. I am his child. I am complete in Christ. I lack nothing. The voice is silenced. Lack doesn't speak to my mind anymore because I've been spending time with my father in his throne room and that's what I hear is what he says about me. Whatever is true about Jesus is true about you because you are of God. Hallelujah. Say this with me. It's not my willpower, but his real power that is at work in me. His real power is energizing me, creating in me the ability and desire to make healthy choices, to keep going. To believe, to have hope, and that it is my good Father's will that I live a strong and healthy life. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that you never stop rescuing us. I thank you that we could say no today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and you're still going to send your rescue boat to us. Your word. I thank you, Father, that you are all the while working in us, causing life to spring forth in us. I thank you that you are good and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.